so this morning, um, I want to talk with you about, about simple prayer. And uh, this past Wednesday, we had our Ash Wednesday service, and um, that begins the season of Lent. And uh, Lent is where we prepare our hearts for the cross as we lead forward going towards Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. And so our theme for Lent this year is draw near. In James chapter 4, he writes, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In this season of Lent, we want to draw near to God both as individuals and as a whole church. The good news is that God has promised that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So let's be intentional in this season about drawing near to God. And what does that look like to draw near to God? Drawing near to God is a resetting of priorities. It's a refocus on what is truly important in our lives. It's so easy to lose focus, isn't it? For example, in 2008, the coffee chain Starbucks shut down its 7,000 U.S. branches for three and a half hours, one evening. Why? Well, Starbucks had, if you remember, had started to branch out beyond just coffee, right? Like you can get coffee and now you can get really fancy coffees, really, really fancy coffees. They actually have no coffee in them. It's just a fancy coffee. <laughs> but then there's the food, right? And then there is all of the grocery store things. And they, as an organization, were worried. They were like, with all that we're expanding, right, and all these new branches, are we still making good cups of coffee? <laughs> and so they shut this, their stores down all at once for three and a half hours and did a mandatory three-hour training for 135,000 employees on the basics. How to make a cup of coffee. How to brew the perfect cup. How to make an espresso properly how to do the little latte thing properly, and so on. Our lives can sort of be like that, right? We can get stretched thin with so many activities and pressures that we forget the most important thing in our lives. And as Christians, the most important thing in our life, well, Jesus told us, right? He said, he asked his disciples, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else will be added to you as well. And so the most important thing for us is God and his work in the world, right? But it's so easy to get stretched in and get involved in a thousand things. So this time of drawing near to God is a setting aside of things that can distract us, right? It's a, it's a laying down of things that can distract, but it's also a picking up of things, some things that can help us to focus better. So Revelation, Jesus speaks to the church in Ephesus and he says, Consider how, fall, how far you have fallen from the love you had at first. Repent and do the things you did at first. This is a call to return to our first love. To return to Jesus as the center of our lives. So for the next four weeks, I want to talk about prayer. We're going to be talking about prayer as a means of drawing close to God. And this week, we're going to be talking just about simple prayer. 
Just prayer at its most basic. Next week, we'll be talking about intercession, which is a fancy word for bringing your requests to God, asking God to do things. The following week, we'll be talking about hearing from God. And then in the fourth week, we're going to be talking about what do we do with the difficulties of unanswered prayer? Because I think to talk about prayer is to take that seriously. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this morning, I want us to look at an ancient prayer, Psalm 63, because it's a beautiful model of what it means to just simply pray, to come to the Lord, to talk with Him, just as we are. So we're going to talk about prayer, we should probably pray, right? Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I pray that you would open up your word to us today. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to draw near to you, because you've promised that if we do that, you'll draw near to us. And we need that, God. We need you to draw near to us, Lord. I pray that for each one of us, Lord, that, that you would be drawing us, Lord, by your goodness. That, that we would want, Lord, to draw near to you, because in truth, everything could, everything good comes from you. So help me to share, help us all to receive. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 63 was written by King David. And in the title, it says that he wrote it while he was in the desert of Judea, which is east of Jerusalem. And this is actually the desert of Judea, east of Jerusalem. It is likely that David wrote this psalm while he was fleeing from his son Absalom. And um, David had some family troubles. This was a big one. Um, when Absalom, his son, grew up, Absalom decided that he wanted to be king. And in those days, that meant killing the king. And there were some advisors around Absalom who wanted Absalom to be king. And so David didn't have enough people with him, and he had to flee into Judean wilderness, this desert, in order to escape from his, from his son, because they were trying to kill him. So Psalm 63 is written when David's in a very difficult place, both emotionally and physically. So David begins by saying, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. It's interesting that while David is in the desert, he begins by telling God that he's thirsty. He's thirsty, but he's actually not thirsty for water. He's thirsty for, for God. Right? We might expect to be thirsty for water in a desert, right? He's like, actually, God, what I'm really thirsty for is, is for you. And this is so important because there is a thirst in each one of us, whether we can recognize it or not, for the presence of God. And David begins in a smart place because he realizes that with everything that's going on in his life, what he really needs is God. Too often we'll feel unsatisfied or frustrated or worried about something that's going on in our lives and we'll misdiagnose the problem. And so we'll prescribe the wrong solution. I'll say it one more time. Sometimes we misdiagnose the problem in our life and so therefore we prescribe the wrong solution. Let me give you examples and let's see if you, if you identify. So 
You feel down. You feel disappointed about something. And so you try to fix it. You're like, there was something I wanted to buy. What was that? Let me go on Amazon. That'll help me remember what I wanted to buy. Oh, yeah. That's what I needed. Click. Or you feel down and you think, you know, what's in that fridge? Maybe the freezer, right? Maybe there's some ice cream in there. Or maybe what I need is some Starbucks. And we do that in so many ways. Maybe we're worried about something or we're putting off something that we know we have to go do. And so we're like, I wonder what's going on on Facebook. I wonder what's going on on Instagram. And then you're 30 minutes later, and the problem's still there. The thing you procrastinated about is still there. You see, sometimes we misdiagnose the problem, and therefore we prescribe the wrong solution. David is smart because he sees what his true need is. He understands where his true satisfaction lies. It's not in getting things, even while you're in the desert. And it's not even in having all of your prayers answered, even if you're in a world of trouble, like David was. People trying to kill him, right? Though right from the beginning, David realizes that his greatest need is God. And so there is an orientation in his life that points him back to God. It's like a compass that always points to true north. So if he's stressed, I need God. Worried? I need God. Thirsty and hungry? I need God. Financial stress? What I really need is God. You see how it always points to where the real solution is? Because the real need is always for more of God. Where did this realization come from? Why did David's compass point him to God? David tells us, he says, I have seen you and beheld you in the sanctuary. And the sanctuaries in the temple in Jerusalem, David had had encounters with the living God in powerful ways in the sanctuary, and he remembered it. And those encounters went with him even when he's in the wilderness, and his son's phony friends are trying to kill him. And it's the same for us. The God that we experience here in worship on Sundays is the same God that goes with us wherever we might go throughout the week. He's with us both in the joys and in the struggles. He's with us on the mountaintop and at the beach when there's a sunset. And he's also with us in the emergency room when there's a crisis. He's with us in the grocery store and he's with us on the way to work. Our compass can point to him in every situation because we have seen him and beheld his glory. We have experienced God and we can take that experience with us wherever we go. That's the kind of God we serve. So simple prayer begins with realizing that God is our greatest need and God is available to us in every situation. Simple prayer is letting that compass inside of us point to God in every situation in life. At its simplest, prayer is our heart directed to God. It's, it's turning our heart directed back to God at each time. So you could be in a grocery store 
And you could see someone struggling to walk, right? It's like, Lord, help them out. Lord, encourage them. Or you walk by the, the magazine rack and you see a celebrity. It's like, Lord, help them out. <laughs> Reveal yourself to them, God. Do a mighty work in them. It could be to thank God for a beautiful sunset on the way home from the grocery store, right? Or before you get home, to think about that conflict that's going on in your, in your house and to bring that up to God. It's this constant conversation with God. Prayer is at its best when it's often and regular, when it's conversational with the creator of the universe. The folks at 24-7 Prayer have an expression to encourage us to just simply pray. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. And so next, David says this, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. He moves here to adoration. He moves to praise and worship. And so often we let our prayers turn into this mechanical thing, right? You, you've been there. Lord, fix this, fix this, fix this, fix this. Thank you. Amen. Goodbye. And actually, God loves those prayers too. Like, that's totally fine if that's what it is. Like, amen, go. That's great. But it's a, it's a small part of what can be. Right? C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia book, says this about worship. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. And so you might think it's odd, you know, what kind of a God needs us to worship him, right? Like, does God need that? I actually don't think he does. What he's doing is he's saying, I made you a certain way, and you're going to find your best joy, you're going to find your best life as you worship me. That's what's on offer here, and that's what David is tapped into, and that is what God is receiving, this relationship from David, this love from David. Because David's not doing it out of obligation. He genuinely loves God. And so this, this worship that David does is an invitation to enjoy God. We get to enjoy God. Simple prayer is about enjoying God's presence. There's a real joy to life or prayer that God calls us to. And most of my prayer time recently has been spent in the office at my house. That's it. Um, it's not nearly as neat as that right now. <laughs> I've got that little fold-out Ikea couch and a bunch of books. I have my guitar hanging on the wall and Bibles, lots and lots of Bibles. I have a Bible collection problem. Sorry. <laughs> I have this plug-in heater, and often my little dachshund will come join me. It's an introvert's dream, is it not? <laughs> this prayer time for me has become a place of real joy. On my best days, my prayer time looks like this. I usually start with time in the Word. Lately, I've been reading the Bible with Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. Uh, 
are you guys doing on that, by the way? But sometimes I'll use the Book of Common Prayer, which is a prayer book that was started in the 1500s. I find that time in the Bible will often lead me to want to worship. So that's why the guitar is there. But sometimes it's just the song on the laptop. I have a journal where I write down anything that I think God is saying to me and prayer requests that I might have for the day. This time is a gift from God. If the weather is good, I'll get out of there. <laughs> Go for a walk, right? I've been doing this kind of thing for like 20 years. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm bragging on God because it's really awesome. Like he's met with me for 20 years like, like this. And I gotta be honest, it's a battle. I know what it means to be busy at work. I was a teacher for eight years. There were days when I was too tired to do any of that, right? Some days there was more sleeping than praying. <laughs> Sometimes there were distractions on my laptop that just won that day. But my testimony is that the Lord has met me consistently in this time of simple prayer. And I don't think any of my prayers were that great. Mostly it was just showing up. But in the showing up, God would meet me, encouraging me, convicting me, strengthening me. This time with God has been a deep channel of joy in my life. That with everything else that's going on in my life, this has been solid underneath it all. It's a gift from the Lord. David says, your love is better than life. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. And this kind of thing is the gift for every Christian. This relationship with the Father, where he will meet with you, is your inheritance as a child of God. And God's just, he's opening it to you, inviting you, saying, come and, and meet with me. It will be a, a foundation for you. A foundation for you. There's one other thing I wanted to say about this. This praising God. Right? Um, some of you will remember that I, I caught COVID in 2021. And lingered for about a year. And felt like just kind of a struggle. And I felt like one of the things God told me to do in that. Was to worship him every day. Like 15 minutes. So sometimes that was guitar. Sometimes that was like music. Right? Um, but that changed every day. Like if I was struggling. If I was discouraged. The worship changed things. It changed the, my mind. It changed the atmosphere in my house. Because I started to... Remember that song, Our God? You know, like from 10 years ago? If our God is for us, who can stand against us? Right? My God is mighty. Right? You start declaring this over your life, and it's like... The atmosphere starts to change. And so that's what David, that's what David is doing. He's declaring the goodness of God over his own life. And so finally, David talks about his... He says this. He says, On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Here David is talking about the strength that he receives because he knows God. The time we spend in prayer has an important reward. The presence of God goes with us. The power of God goes with us. The God that David knew 
in the temple in Jerusalem would go with him into the wilderness to help him fight his battles, God would hold up his hands for battle. And so finally, David talks about his enemies. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. If you remember, David's son had tried to overthrow him as king. And Absalom has these advisors who are really trying to get him. And they see Absalom as a way of getting more power for themselves. And so they are trying to kill David. And here we get this brutal honesty from David. He wants them destroyed, and he doesn't mind telling God what to do. Parts of Psalms like this, and there's quite a few in Psalms, parts of Psalms like this really used to bother me. Um, I'm so glad now that Psalms records prayers like these, and I'll, I'll tell you why. In my opinion, David's just way off here. Which is my opinion. I think we can look at some of the Psalms and go, this isn't really the heart of God that we see in Jesus. Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to pray for them, to bless them. That's a long ways from leaving their bodies for the jackals, right? <laughs> so there's still some work that God needs to do in King David's heart. Amen. And the need is here for us to see. So I read passages like this and I'm encouraged. And here's why. Well, first, our real enemies are not flesh and blood. There's not a human on this planet who is your enemy. As the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, that our true enemies are principalities and darkness, demonic forces and the powers of wickedness in the world. Those are the true enemies. And so when I'm reading a passage like this, I kind of convert it. In my mind, I'm like, God, destroy my enemies. Stomp on the neck of Satan. Destroy the works of evil in this world. Do you see? So now that I know the true enemy here, let's get to the root of it. And second, and this is why I wanted to share this, is I'm, I'm encouraged by David's honesty. Even when his heart is not in the right place, in my opinion. God can handle our misguided prayers, our selfish prayers. He can handle us being real with Him. He knows what's in our hearts and better than I, better than we do, right? Simple prayer is coming to God just as we are. And in fact, there's really no other way of coming to God, is there? So listen to how Jesus invites us to just be real. As we come to our Father in prayer, this is from Matthew 6. This is the, from the message translation. It's a paraphrase. Okay? This is Jesus speaking. He says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, 
you can pray very simply. And so as we begin this season of Lent, let's make it a point to draw near to God together. This is a time to refocus our priorities. It means dropping some things. What kind of things do you need to drop from your life if you are to refocus on God? It's also a time of picking some things up so that you can focus on God and come back to having God as a center in your life. What kind of things can you pick up so that you can refocus on Him? God is inviting us to a life of prayer and we can pray very simply. We can keep it simple. We can keep it real. And we can keep it up. Amen? Amen.